welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger. With me, as always, is Trevor Scott. Hello. And we have a very special guest very special. joining us today. Uh, I'd like you all to welcome Jim Fishwick, a game curator who is going to be uh, telling us about some games uh, that uh, he's he's brought to the table. Hello, Ben. Hello, Trev. It's lovely to be here. Uh, video game curator, if you don't mind. The, yes. The full yeah, vi- Sorry. Video yes. game curator. Do you to be specific? And just, just for yes. listeners at home, I am pronouncing that without the space. Just video game, all one word. Yeah. Just, I just want, like, it, I am delighted to be here. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page about um, what we're doing here. Definitely. Accuracy is important. We, we fully understand. Do you, do you have a difference there between, you know, what is it about video space game? That is incorrect. Well, video space games are a different medium entirely that's specifically focused on games set in space. Of course. So, so I, I think it's, look, we don't, I, I don't have time to go through the whole philosophical reasoning, but if you think about it, a video game is a game of about videos, whereas video game is a video that's about games. So really it, it, it all follows from that syllogism. Sort of if video and game, but yeah, you know, yeah, I it, it's it's sort of very entry level uh, video game curation stuff. I'd, I'd, mm. well, I I think we can move on from there. Okay, so um, you you've been a video game uh, curator. Uh, mm, can you mm. give us a little bit of a background as to where you started in your video game curation? Yeah, sure. So uh, really, I started sort of playing games when I was a kid. I uh, played a lot of like uh, Game Boy, Donkey Kong, Pokemon, all those sort of classic things. And then um, as I moved into my professional career, I was working in museums um, while also keeping up some of my uh, practice as like uh, an interactive theatre maker. And then there was a real nexus between those two things when uh, I spent a few years working at ACME, the Australian Centre for the Moving Image, as uh, an assistant curator. The uh, ACME, if you have not been there, it deals with film, TV, video games, digital culture, media art. And uh, I, I was one of the staff who was working more at the like, digital culture, video game end of things. Um, so it was a real combination of my love for the medium um, and uh, my like, g- genuine expertise. I don't think it's too... Um, uh, what's the opposite of humble? Uh, wh- whatever that is. Proud. I yeah, it's it's not too much of that to say that I'm a, a real expert. Um, so hmm. when my role in that was uh, curating displays of up to uh, eight games at a time that um, people of the members of the public could come in and play in a museum setting, and sort of thinking about all the uh, associated paraphernalia, thinking about the experience design of how people approach that, the narrativity of uh, the experientialization. Um, so yeah. it, it was all of that sort of like mm-hmm. basic work about putting things on display. And and so today you've uh, essentially you're curating this episode of our podcast. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, to provide those same things. Yeah. So again, thank you very much for having me. It's been a real, uh, real joy to put this together. Um, for for the listeners at home, what I've done is um, I've put together a selection of five games that I think really represent a particular genre. 
and I have assembled them into a little sort of mini virtual museum um, that we, we've all played over the last um, few weeks. I sent copies mm-hmm. to Ben and Trev for them to check out. We ha- I had to do some real digging to unearth some of these things because they're pretty obscure. And, you know, some of them were on outdated technology, so I had to find ports, emulators, all those sort of things. Um, but we've got five games that represent this uh, genre that I think has been sort of critically overlooked. So I thought what we do today is go over the last 20, 30 years of video games to um, un- unpick this much maligned genre. Yeah, I was I was surprised at uh, at the variety, you know, the variety of games mm. that you managed to, to bring in within this genre that across these different hardware, you know, ancient hardware and different things that I, uh, you know, I'd never heard of before. That a lot of them, this was really something that had passed me by, as you said, this sort of much overlooked uh, genre. So, you know, mm, no, I was really you're, you're excited. Welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. I really appreciate you putting that a lot of effort into no, that's this right. I've, I've, so. It's been something I've been following for years. So I, like, I've, I've, I've clacked through, uh, <laughs> Sega games in a, a basement in Santa Fe. I've gone to auctions, uh, in Vermont. I've, I've, I've really sort of <laughs> gone hunting for these things, all part of my personal collection. Okay. So I think we can finally let the audience know what the genre is. Yeah. Sure thing. Sure thing. So for a bit of background, um, two of the most common genres in games are the first person shooter where the player plays as the person, like you're, you're looking through their eyes, you're inhabiting that character and the third person shooter where you are sort of at a remove behind them. You're seeing the back of their head, back of their body. So what we're really looking at today is the second person shooter. Mm. Which is the genre mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Um, you, as the player, play as the person being shot by the main character. That's sort of the basic definition. And, you know, we've all heard the old jokes. Oh, second person shooter. Uh, that person behind the grassy knoll who got JFK. Like, all those sort of things. So, it, it's, <laughs> it's not that. It, it's really where playing th- from the point of view of someone who is being shot by the main character. Mm, yes. And I suppose as as... Uh, when I first suggested this as a genre to explore, I was wondering, like, what? I'm just curious, what were your thoughts? What are your preconceived ideas about the genre coming into this exploration that we did? Look, it is, it's a tricky genre to, to develop for, certainly. Mm. Uh, it can be a confusing perspective uh, in, in a lot of these games. And obviously, we'll, we'll talk about that a bit more as we get into the specific titles. Um, our, our, you know, on this podcast, we've, I think we've only come across the, the, this, anything in this genre once, maybe twice. Maybe twice. I, I think we created two games in the past that mm. could potentially be called second person. And even then it was sort of more that you were controlling the camera. So it was yeah. not so much a, a controlling the person who is like yeah yeah, yeah almost yeah. a subset of the genre in itself yeah, yeah so we, that, we call that 2.5 person shooter yeah because it, it's halfway between like true second person and third person yeah yeah so uh, i mean it might be uh it, it might be best to just jump into the first game that we all played yeah uh and that you know will probably help 
flesh out the genre as well and, and you know, where it all started and the basics of it uh, for the for the listeners as well. Mm, mm, mm. So, the, so the first game that we can really identify as a, a, a 2PS or second-person shooter is um, it, it doesn't actually have a title because uh, it's a mod of Doom. Um, released mm-hmm. in 95, the, the mod was released in 95 by yep. a, a user known only as Gravy Davey. Um, and it, it, it was just sort of, uh, it was at a time of real experimentation with Doom mods that people realized they could get into the code of this, uh, this sort of iconic touchstone game that revolutionized the field, mm. revolutionized the field. And they went, what else, what else can we do with this? So you had mm. all sorts of mods where, um, the aliens are replaced by toasters, the aliens are all replaced by blenders, the aliens are replaced by microwaves, like all sorts of different kitchen appliances. Yeah. Um, um, I seem to remember some sort of animated character. Characters that were replaced, but I can't remember the name of them yeah. at the moment. They've been yeah, going around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And then people were bending, like, "Well, what if we look at it from different perspectives?" And uh, this mod by this un- unnamed Doom mod by uh, Gravy Davy was was the first game to go. Well, I, I, it was just sort of a technical exercise. Really, uh, a lot has been projected onto the meaning of this um, mm-hmm. in the early nineties. You know, Gulf War times of high stress, Berlin walls just come down. But um, really, it was just sort of a technical exercise of what if we put the camera in the in the eyes of the person who's about to get shot by uh, the main character, Doom Guy. I think I think the technical term is Doom Guy. Is that- Doom Guy. Yeah, Doom yeah. Guy, yeah. Yeah, well, what's, what struck me as I was playing it was, you know, for, I mean, for one, the controls were, you know, pretty janky. Uh, which is understandable for this sort of experimental kind yeah. of thing because you, you're used to, you know, you're used to at that point, uh, you know, you turn the mouse and your camera moves. Mm. But having to control Doom Guy while looking through the perspective of the next <laughs> monster, you know, yeah. the next monster essentially to be killed and then uh, just constantly... Be- being from our player's perspective shot in the face yeah over and over and over again was really confronting and, and especially for listeners who haven't yeah. played the game sorry sorry i didn't mean to cut you yeah. off trev but just that's uh, fine sort mm. of mechanically what happens is that you're looking at doom guy the camera inhabits the closest monster to doom guy who then runs forward shoots you and then the camera instantly jumps to sort of the, to next, the next available one, yep. um alien sorry trev carry on so my least favourite part about it was because Doom doesn't really have the the height because you can't really <laughs> yeah. look up and down. There yeah. were some points, especially in the first level, where there was a the enemy that we were was very, very high up and you couldn't actually see where Doom Guy was at the time. Mm. But mm. so I found that I was falling into the slime or Doom Guy was falling into the slime while I was just looking out and I couldn't see Doom Guy anymore. Like, yeah. Because he was the only closest enemy. Yeah. Um, there was almost a strategy to it by that, though, because, yep. you know, as as you moved around, obviously the, the closest enemy could shift, and your, which would make your perspective shift. Uh, and so I found, like, one of the ways to get through that level, Trevor, was actually to kind of run past one monster so that you could take out the other one first. Yep. And then by that point, you were in a position where that- uh, earlier one who was up high could could see you and so the i don't know if that was intentional uh you know in the in the mod design or if that just came about because of the limitations of the doom engine mm. at the time yeah uh, but I, you know it, it 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 gave some interesting sort of strategies 
Well, I think I think that's a great way of summing up what this game represented is a, a bunch of interesting tra- strategies. We saw people trying all sorts of things. So like some of the very earliest speed runs of uh, this particular Doom mod by Gravy Davy, like they're really strategic points to be running backwards through the whole thing, which normally you wouldn't mm-hmm. do in a game of Doom because you can't see where the monsters are. But this way you can see where the aliens are that are going to get you. And so you're actually trying to run backwards so that you can get behind them and shoot them in the back of the head um, yes. And turn around. And um, what made that easy, though, was the fact that I don't know. Again, Gravy Davy must be in a, a magnificent um, audio engineer because mm. the fact that Doom Guy, the music of each level, was on Doom Guy, and you could hear as the music went by, yeah, and as it came up behind, and because you could hear that music behind you, you knew, okay, I'm in the right position now. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was the three D mapping of audio, and that's what happens when you're mm-hmm. able to sort of extract it from this particular first person point of view. Um, I, I just wanted to pick up on something that we talked about earlier. There was um, a real some of the aliens were getting shot in the back of the head as part of the speed running tactics, like I was saying. Um, which actually there was a sort of moral debate. Uh, about whether these speedruns should be included because you were shooting the aliens in the back of the head, which mm. was seen as sort of, you know, that's cowardly. not right. Yeah, it's, it's cowardly. It's cowardly. Mm. So um, if you go and you look on the speedrunning archives, uh, any run that has sort of shooting people back, it's got an asterisk next to it just to let yep. you know that this is a separate category. And they didn't do a warning shot. Had they done the warning shot off to the yeah. side first and got them to turn around, that would have been fine. But they didn't. They just shot them point blank in the back of their head. And yeah. well, I, I suppose th- I you've got to save those frames. Like, that's yeah. what they were they were trying to do. Well, that, I mean, it's a question to ask anyone. Like, would you shoot an alien in the back of the head to save a few frames? Ben, to you first. Uh Look, how many frames are we talking? Because yeah, well, look know, on on, really on, on average, you can run. get uh, about six or seven, um, like depending on which emulator you're running. But on mm. a, on a good, like if you time it perfectly, you can get up, up to sixteen. Look, I, I did see something about um, some particular techniques because you know, obviously, when they were doing these speed runs, they didn't want that asterisk on there. They wanted the clean, no. cleanest run. Uh, but I did see some techniques that on the original hardware, if you were playing on like a 386, that as you came up behind, behind them, you could do the warning shot. But if you flicked the turbo button on and off, yeah. then you'd pick those frames back up because the, it would actually kind speed, of speed it back up, up that, that turn up, that turnaround. So, um, look, I think if you've got a technique like that, then I, then I, you know, then I'd maybe not shoot him in the back of the head. I did watch a couple of them, and I did notice that as long as Doom Guy was in in view for at least one frame, then it mm. didn't get an asterisk. So yeah. it was it was that was where they were saving those, those frames. Coming around the corner, shooting off into the, like yeah, uh, shooting off the warning shot, getting them to turn around and shooting them just and then as, right just at that as, instant. Yeah. It, it's looking it's at a them. sort of technical mastery that just... Yeah. It, it really does impress. It really does. I When I was playing it myself, though, I did mm. come across a couple of problems, especially when I'd killed every monster in the level, because yeah. it just mm. was a black, like, screen. Yeah. And... 
You just had the sound. And you then just had, had the, the sound and the music would music gradually go position. away. And depending mm. on where that last enemy was, it may have been easy to, you know, flick that last switch. Or if you killed an enemy right near the start of the game, you were flying blind getting getting to the end. So. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's, it's, it's funny you bring that up. There's a... Um, a re- quite a moving video essay essay by um, Jacob Gellier that dealt with that specific black screen. Because if you think mm. about it, um, you've gone through all the enemies and killed them, and then the closest enemy really is... It, it, the, the video essay sort of tracks multiple theories about what this black screen represents, because um, mm. there are some camps who say that you've actually cycled back through to the first enemy who's now dead and so they're not seeing anything. So that's why it's a black screen. And then there is a competing mm. theory that now you're actually seeing it through the eyes of God because God can see everyone but nothing at the same time, you know? I I do actually have another theory. Oh. You're seeing it through the eyes of Doomguy's cold black heart, hence why it is oh. black. And, and the implication there, of course, um, uh, in that point of view is that the last remaining enemy is yourself, and so you need to turn the yeah. gun. Yeah, and I did. I did notice that in one of the levels, like towards the end of the first um, episode, as you're fighting off against yeah. the boss guys, and don't get me started on the boss battles; they no, were no, impossible. No. <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. Impossible. But anyway, I did notice that that's when, as I was moving around, the music didn't change. Like I, I heard it all around in perfect surround sound and it was like it is literally he's become what yeah, he, what he hates he the hates. most yeah mm. yeah and, and and so just sort of wrapping up on this like it's it's worth noting that there was sort of like a a, a little bit of reception at the time like this sort of game but it as, like i said it was in a sea of other doom mods so it sort of made a blip and it's really only in the last few years of people as people have realized that this was the founding of the 2ps genre that it's started to get sort of a more critical reception people are going back to it looking at it in more depth that's where these video essays come from yeah yeah i I suspect at the time it was it was almost seen just as a a buggy mod yeah. you know people were people were in there expecting total conversions with alien soundtracks yeah and yeah i, not, I mean not like this sort of you, you look at the comments where it was uploaded and you're getting i don't understand what's happening this is unplayable how am i supposed <laughs> to be able to like you know all of those sort of uh like why can't i minded exactly i yeah there must be not, something not broken. understanding you yeah know. yeah um and well that's a sort of a nice bridge because there's a sort of uh, a frustration to that like inability to move which actually feeds quite nicely into the next game in the genre that i'd like to deal with um which actually came out in uh 2001 it was one of the very last releases for the playstation one before we got into the ps2 um it was, it was released 2001 in japan 2002 um in yep. usa australia uk um and if you played any of the silent early silent hill games you'll notice that there was a static camera uh, and so that was really used to build tension because you couldn't see when there was a monster coming around the corridor. You could only see where the good old tank was- controls. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so really fixed camera points used to build suspense. Um, and uh, there was a, a, a Namco game that was that used the second person shooter mechanic to build on that sense of suspense. So uh, in and so instead it goes from it just being sort of experiment of can you move around uh 
by the way, by the, from the point of view of a monster that you're trying to shoot to, you can only move when there's a monster coming towards you. And suddenly mm-hmm. we've got a heart pounding adventure of how close am I willing to let this monster get before I shoot it? Like how, how fast do I think I can run? It's, it, it's sort of like a weeping angel effect, um, from yep. Doctor Who. It's like, you've got to try and lure them to you so you can run forward just a little bit. Mm. And yeah, this, this one, I, I found this very hard to play. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I don't do well with that sort of tension and that real adrenaline. Like I want to feel like I'm in control and I'm playing a game, but having to make that decision of, as you said, when to kill the monster coming towards you, knowing that that would effectively freeze me in place. Yeah. N- until you until- could somehow coax another one over. And given oh, that you can't it. move, I found it hard- very hard to coax. Yeah. And all you had, you had that screaming mechanic yeah. that you could use. Yeah. Hit the, hit the S button to scream. We all know that. Yeah. And, and the sort of yeah. the funny fr- prank being that people who are playing it on, uh, on a PC are so used to hitting S to go backwards. Um, when actually you yes. need to hit the B button to go backwards, B for backwards. So W-A-S-D, yes. where the S is for scream. Yes. I did, like, I was thinking, you know, can I, can I find an emulator to play this? Because I'm like, mm. I want to sort of play it in the most natural way possible. Uh, I happened to play it, the only emulator I actually had was running on my VR through e- EMU-VR. It was scary as all hell in there because I kept on having, like, my son come up and tap me on the shoulder right at this, oh, like, the monster's right up close. Yeah. And, yeah, of course, you can't see anything in VR. But it was like I was in my room and I was a kid again, and it yeah. was absolutely fantastic. So, sorry, when you were a kid, your son was tapping you on the shoulder? Yeah, it's this big, it's this big time thing like okay yeah 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 yeah, that's so we've talked about that on the show before trevor's weird time loop history okay right it's an odd it's an odd thing his son's visited him at multiple times through his whole life Mm. so that must be in some of the back episodes i'll need to yeah i'll need to go and yeah very back episodes uh it's well, I think they're also the very latest episodes as well i think because of the well yeah and in fact trevor (laughs) recorded an episode Uh, was it your 12 year old self at one point but I think it's episode like three hundred and something, so we haven't gotten to it yet. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll see if um, <laughs> I'll see if my podcatcher can pick that up. Um, I should say that the game that we're talking about is a Cobwebs yes. of Tchinsky. Yeah, just I just sort of Sorry. want to say it's a, a, an okay game of Cobwebs of, yep. cobwebs of Tchinsky, uh, two thousand and one, um, and and it's. It's such a frightening game. It's really tense. You're trying to sort of navigate all these dimly lit corridors but you can't actually see. So you are at once, you're, you're seeing yourself as prey from the eyes of these monsters moving to get mm. you. Cause it, it reminded me of a game from around about that time. I, I believe that again, I, at the time I couldn't play it. Uh, the fatal frame series, mm. uh, which is about sort of capturing ghosts on a camera. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it used the second person shooter as in like shooting photos, like not shooting yep. a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but in that same way where, you know, in Fatal Frame, you were, you had to use the camera and it gave you this, you know, a limited field of vision and made you vulnerable. Uh, this gave me that same sense of just, you know, you only had, had that vision of yourself and the ability to move at those certain times. Uh, uh, yeah, just really. It made my heart 
pump yeah. to the point that I had to pause the game and and take a step back. Yeah. You know? Once I realised that as as the monster that you next jumped into and it, he was turning around, if you screamed at the opportune times, you could get the monster to actually start to move forward. And then mm. you had to sort of, um, you know, make sure that you screamed at the right time so they went to open the door because otherwise the monster would just turn around yeah. and go away. Yeah, you had you had to make yourself appetizing. Like there's that whole sequence in the the fourth level um, where you're in a kitchen and you have to pick up each of the spices on the spice rack in turn and douse yeah. yourself in them, to sort of mm-hmm. make you give yourself mm-hmm. a more appetizing aroma. Yeah, that was a that was a, f- a fun puzzle actually. Especially you find since that you recipe. can't see that you're what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it's it's one monster comes in because you've got a bit of paprika on you, and then you've got to really quickly add the tarragon, add the um, mixed spice, add the turmeric, and then quickly turn around two bolts with a shotgun. Pew. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did like the fact that you could uh, use a baster as well uh, mm. to sort of get get mm. that little bit of extra liquid to get some of the spikes spices to stick because yeah. if you haven't been running around for a while and you're not as sweaty as as what yeah. you expect you to, yourself to be you can use the baster to to make sure that those spices Tenderize stick on a little bit better yeah and i think that's one of the reasons this game is a bit more obscure is actually the baster sequence because um uh you're making it sound quite pleasant there trevor what you actually you don't have a this is in a um a, a kitchen of a building that's been bombed so mm. the the base is actually sort of broken and jagged at the end so you're actually digging it into your veins to pull out some blood yeah. to be able to just yeah. trip that Based. on you and yeah. it's it, it, it's quite a, a, a dark, tough sequence yeah, yeah. Mm. it's quite tough and, especially and because way- you got especially because you got the monsters bearing down on you because yeah. if you didn't then you can't move <laughs> yeah exactly that's it you had to be very you had to be very careful while at the same time knowing that these monsters are barreling towards you yeah uh, it's it's yeah the, it's like- again very tense it's like trying to thread a needle and wrestle off a bear at the same time. I mean, we've all done it. It's just tricky. <laughs> what I found interesting, and, and I wasn't sure if this was a a glitch or this was intentional, you know, because most of the time the, there's just one monster that you'll, you know, these monsters are very powerful. You, you, it's not like a zombie shooter or something. Um, but there were a couple of times when I had t- I managed to get two monsters after me at the same time, and I don't know if that's something you're supposed to do because <laughs> it would actually it almost like it overlaid <laughs> the vision of each of them uh, on the screen at once. So while I was able to move, it made things very hard to see and hard to tell because I was sort of almost having to. It was almost like a 3D effect, particularly when mm. they were running yeah. down the same hallway. But if they were coming from different directions, it really. Uh, so I, really I had no, difficult. I had no issues with that because with the VR, I just closed one eye and all I saw on the screen was right, the one yeah. eye, and I could close the other one and I could see where they were. That's a very serendipitous there. design thing, almost there, because you know, obviously, they weren't designing for VR at the <laughs> no, time, no. but for that to work out, yeah. it happened to work out because of the of because the whole of way like the interlace. Layers and yep. stuff. Yeah. yeah, well, they just they did the whole interlace, like the the odd mm. was on one eye and the and the evens were on the other eye, and mm. yeah. Yep. Good old well, it, it's it, in a way it's it sort of speaks to sort of like that like just pre nine eleven era where there was a, a lot of space for uh, subtlety and nuance that you were seeing 
two predators and yourself as prey all in the same thing. You were consider th- considering things for, from multiple perspectives and allowing them mm. to exist simultaneously. Whereas with the next game that we'll get to um, from 2007, mm. Brown Grey Justice. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. So, so this, this is a bit of a tonal shift, but we're, we're talking sort of like um, Gears of War, Army of Two. Like uh, this is like cover-based shooting out the yep. wazoo mm. to the point that you're actually most of the time playing from the point of view of the cover um, because the the enemies, uh, you, you can't see them. So a lot of the time you're just looking into the face of this rugged man with huge biceps um, in some nondescript Middle Eastern location. Um, and then suddenly you you pop yourself up to stand up and then you get this telescopic view from far away of uh of a bad guy that you're suddenly inhabiting that needs to be shot and you'll shoot you'll play this character shooting over the head and then bam down again and you're back to the point of view of the next chest high wall Mm. yeah i this is what i found so interesting as a uh an evolution of the genre Mm. by this point is that you know, we're not stuck with black screens when there's not a monster in view. There was a lot more dynamis, dynamis, dynamicism <laughs> yeah. uh, around the camera in that, again, it, it wasn't just um, jump cuts either. That mm. you would, as you came up from the cover, get that really fast pull out yeah, of the and, camera. And in slow motion as well. Like, the sort of things you don't mm. see from, like, a glory kill uh, animation. Yeah. 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 Um, it was a bold move of them to to bring that much slow motion into the game, but yeah. I, I do wonder if that came about because it did make the aiming, as we've found in all of these games, but uh, particularly with that sort of long range and, and cover base, it did make the aiming quite tricky. Yeah. Uh, so I suspect that having that slow motion in there, they, I mean, that obviously they made it really could have done feasible. with a little bit of lock on. Um, yeah. Well, I, I don't know if either of you have played Brown Grey Justice 2. I, I didn't include it because I, I wanted to sort of focus on variety. But uh, basically, there's auto-aim on everything. So, you're standing mm-hmm. up. Like, you, there's auto-aim to stand up so that you don't sort of wobble over slightly. There's auto-aim yeah. when you're shooting. Um, there's uh, there's auto-aim when you're blinking um, just to mm. make sure that oh, you get uh, the other. That was the one with the controversial ur- urinal scene as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. They, the they, had, they had one of was those necessary. Yeah, but it, it, again, because <laughs> it's a second-person shooter, it is from the point of view of the urinal. Um, so yes. it, it's footage and, that's and found its way that onto hit, all sorts of like unsavory I, parts of the internet. It hits right in the middle of the, of the camera, and it's just it splashes yeah. everywhere. And you can barely say anything anymore. But, yeah. yeah, and it's, yeah. it's 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 that sort of thing where um, uh, there's a, there's a lot of discourse around the way that you will see um, simulated dirt or water or like bits of dirt or lens flare in video game cameras mm-hmm. coming around this time as they're trying to mm-hmm. emulate your Michael Bayesy things like that. And so the way that the, the little drops of wee sort of bounce around on the, on the camera lens is, is another part of that sort of like trying to make it feel cinematic and real. Mm. Well, that's what I thought was a little, a little bit unfair about that scene because, you know, if, if you put that shot in, a Coen Brothers movie or something. Yeah. Then it, everyone would love it. Like they would think yeah. it was yeah. amazing, you know, symbolism and, and telling the story of this character. But when it's a space Marine in a, you know, a cover shooter, all of a sudden it's yeah gross. And <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, I, I do, yeah, I recall thinking that that discourse was a little bit unfair for yeah. for that game, but. Well, you know, that's 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 all all video games like yeah. people judging them from different standard to other art forms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I I've gotta say again, the key for this was sound design. Like mm-hmm. uh again, positional audio is so easy to to, to help you with those those aiming at the monsters especially when you're in cover you can sort of hear okay i think one's coming across from over here if i if i change the aim to this many degrees maybe i can maybe i can shoot them um most of the time that worked for me Uh, most of the time it does work i think the tough bit is because every time you do kill a monster, you get that sort of like a uh, late uh, Limp Biscuit, Lincoln Parks, and just like some real fucking tunes to like really yeah. amp you up. And like, yeah, you did it. And when some of those are sort of tailing out, and there's an enemy bearing down on you, it, it, it can get a bit hard to um, sort of exactly triangulate where you are. Yeah, mm. but with so with, with so much slow motion though, and the fact that they slowed down the track as well, sometimes it kind of got yeah. a little bit muddled, and it's like gave a realist surrealistic kind mm. of kind of yeah. view as yeah that the the tempo uh, of these songs would come I'm, up and down based on your actions. Yeah, I, I mean, Trev, just before we jumped on the we started recording when we were talking pre-show, you were you were doing your impression of the the slowed down Link Biscuit when it had been slowed down to like a hundred times. Do you want to like do that again, mm. people? Um, yeah, so this is in that really poignant scene, uh, yeah. right when where you've had right to, when- to shoot the your ex captain who you yeah. thought you could trust, but it's actually betrayed you. So it was like. What it's like it was just, it, it, It's just It's uncanny, it's just like that Yeah, I mean, the fact that they took pretty much the entire thing every now and again going back to this back to the right speed so you could hear that it was behind blue eyes by limp biscuit yeah. and it was sort of like that that real poignant scene but then it slowed right down again as you you know you saw from from the captain's eyes as that bullet was just getting closer and closer yeah. and closer you, you can and actually then do as soon as pop- it got hit it went it went to yeah. you know one of the bad right, guys right running on, around right the corner on- and you just see the and blood you get that just great coming side on view. out yeah. of the back yeah. of his head as the bullet continues. Like, mm. exactly, that's great. exactly. And on, he- on the sound design, I was just going to say on the sound design, and this comes into play in that scene in particular. You know, because when you're from the cover's point of view, when you're un- when you're behind the cover and you're so close to your character's face, the breathing, like they did mm. a really good job on on just the very subtle. Uh, emotions coming from your character and, you know, the facial, for the time, the facial animation, uh, was quite, uh, detailed actually. And I mm. guess just because you were looking basically directly yeah. at your character. Uh, but you know, when, when you do duck down behind cover after shooting your captain, like that scene is, is quite amazing and you know the no, the, the, the tear song, rolling the down comes, his face that you can see it. the song comes right back up the, the halted breaths the tear yeah, yeah like just yeah i mean you don't see that in any other 
genre. No, I mean, I think the amazing thing is um, this is when games were starting to get, like, really big, sort of like pop culture, mm, yes. mass culture. And so they were able... Um, it, it's one of the sort of legendary bits of video game trivia. I know that everyone's heard this a million times, but the breathing that the main character is doing that, that was actually performed by Jean-Claude Van Damme. And um, oh, because cool. you spend so much time in front of it, they didn't want it to be sort of like yep. the one sound effect you get over and over again. So they recorded three hours of him breathing just in the studio, mm. just- Consummate <laughs> professional. Yeah. 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 And, and then they recorded a separate set of takes when the, once they realized the, the plot that you're going to have to kill your captain, they got him back into the studio. They flew him mm. back in from Brussels um, to do sad breathing. Um, sort of like and another another from what I was reading to another two and a half hours of sad breathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. E- even though the scene only goes for two minutes, they wanted to. Yeah. The, the each time you randomised, you get a different bit well, of sad breathing. Yeah. from Jean-Claude Van Damme. And I think they weren't sure because uh, from what I read, they did some angry breathing. You know, up to rageful breathing. Yeah. It, you know, really covered the gamut to make sure that they had than the emotional beats that they needed for those yeah, scenes. Yeah, well, it, it, it depends on... It, it's got a very early form of, like, a morality system. The, one of the things, mm. like, your choices affect the outcome of the thing. And this was, like, the main parody of those sort of morality systems is, like, oh, am I going to be the good guy or am I going to be the bad guy? And what you mainly get is a difference in the way that Jean-Claude Van Damme breathes in the last mm. sort of five minutes of the game. You could tell that there were some design decisions that were made towards the end um, of, of the... Just before the game came out, because... You could almost tell that it was made for the previous generation, but as the as the new generation, you know, the three sixties, mm. the PS three was just coming out. You could sort of see that they just upgraded, yeah. you know, some of the scenery, but some of it just you could tell it was just boxes, like yeah. in the background, and it kind of took away a little bit from it because. You well, know. I think that it, it it takes away from it when you're able to see that, but that's one of the things where the two PS genre actually really saved it because most of the things that looked boxy were the bits of cover that you were hiding behind and that's yeah. the point mm-hmm. of view so when you're inside a hedge like they're like you don't notice yeah yeah, yeah and and that's true in life as well like if you get when inside you're in a hedge, hedge you just yeah the longer you spend inside that hedge the more it feels like home the more it feels safe mm. you don't notice how boxy you it didn't is notice the floors yeah yeah mm. yeah um well i think i think this is a a, a good time to move on to thinking about the yes. sort of it, it's actually worked out quite a nice segue. Um, the sort of like uh, difficulty of certain situations in life is um, we're going to jump forward to uh, 2015. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, a lot of our listeners yes. will know uh, Lucas Pope, who did 2011's uh, Papers, Please, um, where you play as a border guard, sort of stamping passports, and 2018's- um, Return of the Obra Dinn. Return of the Obra Dinn. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Sorry, I forgot it for a second there. Um, and Our um, listeners know both of them very well. Very, we, we very riff well. Off those, <laughs> yeah. We riff off those a lot. In but but what people don't realise is that there's such a big gap between those games, because he actually released another game in the middle, and it only came out on a humble bundle um so not a lot of people have played it um but it it sort of takes that emotion it it sort of works halfway between those two games that it takes the sort of emotional aspect the mundanity of um papers please coupled with the sort of innovative points of view of return of the Oprah din um the game's called eats shoots and leaves um and in it you play as um, a, a man in his uh, mid-50s and uh, you see 
his life unfolding you've got to try and uh, pay for some new shoes for your kids who like you're in poverty and you're working this dead-end job at a restaurant and so it, it's all in uh, monochrome it's all black and white and so you've got to make all these decisions through your day try and scrape together enough money to keep your family happy and then you go to work at your job in a diner where you get shot um mm-hmm. so it's it's a very short game um but it's sort of it's all it, it's sort of like we're we're talking uh like high indie golden era um mm. sort of really emotional sort of a short game with something to something to fucking say you know yeah yeah i, I found it i mean i found it interesting that you included this one actually just because of how much it stretched kind of the definition of the genre. Yeah. Uh, you know, up, up until this point, it's very much been, you know, shooters. Obviously, this is this one is technically a shooter, but uh, what we traditionally know as shooters and, you know, as we've said, shooting essentially the player, the player's perspective, uh, towards the player's perspective. But, yeah, the way, the way that each shoots and leaves... Uh, it kind of played with that and really it's not until that final scene that, I mean, that's, you know, that's the point. It becomes a shooter essentially. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you, you almost don't know what genre you're playing up until you finish the game. Mm. Mm. Um, in, in a way, I mean, you could it, tell it, that you were doing some sort of second person because it, it did always feel like you, your camera wasn't, you know, focused on, on your character all the time. Like yeah. uh, the shop assistant counting the money, um, yeah, and then he looks up, and that's when you see character for the first time. But you had to actually work your way inside inside the shop to ring the bell as you open up the door. Like yeah, I found yeah, that yeah. And, and that a little all- bit difficult because I was sort of like, why is why is the money just being counted? Like, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. And, and there, there, look, there are a lot of the sort of beautiful poetic cues all the way through. Like, all the um, all, all the sort of text at the bottom narrating what's happening, it's, it's mm. all in the second person. It's all, mm-hmm. you are feeling very sad. Your life has been a waste. Like, it's all in second person. But also, you can spot that we know that Lucas Pope likes to play with um, sort of pixel art and different styles. And so, you think, like, oh, is is, is the character that I'm looking at blurry well no it's not blurry it's sort of deliberately out of focus indicating mm. that it's supposed to be in the background of the shot mm. it, it's just, it's genius really so i actually thought it was just because the shopkeeper had forgotten his glasses that day and uh, so it was just yeah. blurry from the from the point of view well, as this, this the shopkeeper I mean, really should have had the glasses. perspectives yeah. yeah and maybe if he'd had the glasses maybe he wouldn't have gotten shot you know it's mm. it's it's tough to think about. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I did really enjoy, and you know, Lucas Pope loves playing with, like you said, the pixel art, but just different rendering modes. Mm. You know, as he, he later explored in in Oberdin as well. And so, yeah, the the way that he did play with with depth of field in in this game, but not just not just from the camera, but like you said, in the textures and in different things to really to really evoke those feelings of sort of worthlessness of of not not fitting in yeah. not being the the subject of your own life almost you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh yeah i found that really yeah really i mean just really evocative yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was and, and, I was almost hoping that there'd be a, a time where you came across like a skeleton, and then all of a sudden those those <laughs> sounds from Oberdin would actually happen because I got a very Oberdin sort of feel from the music and the um, mm. you know the the mm. fact that it was three D, but it it had that sort of I don't know the pixel filter. I mean, I suspect and, he almost used this as a proof of concept yeah. in a way for some of the things he then did in Oberdin. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and and uh, it is a there's a there is a little Easter egg. Um, the 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 main character in Eats, Shoots, and Leaves. Um, uh, you, you you he's sort of technically unnamed, but if you look zoom in on uh, one of the shots of his driver's license, it says Jordan Begordon. Um, and and that's one of the names in the manifest on Return of the Obi yeah. Jordan Begordon. Um, it, it's just a little Easter egg for the people who um, got the humble bundle. The, the real fans. Yep. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> the curators who the, have done look, the work. I, I, yeah. I wasn't going to say it, um, <laughs> but I think also what's interesting is that um, this is a sort of uh, at, this comes at the tail end of the golden age of indie, where games are sort of starting to question them their own mechanics, and so it comes out around the same time as Davy Reardon's Beginner's Guide, which also does a similar thing mm. about sort of the philosophy of making games. Um, and there are a lot of reports. There was like a, a series of articles on Polygon interviewing people who had played Eats, Shoots, and Leaves and could no longer play any other shooter games because they sort of suddenly realised like, oh, all these people that I'm shooting in these games, they all have, have families. stories. Mm. They all have yeah. families. They've yeah. got shoes that they're trying to buy. They've got medications. They like, you know, it, it changes the way you see the world. And it's that part of that games maturing and the game designers themselves are like growing up. Uh, like when you, you look at God of War, like it's, the, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Well, I found it interesting at the time seeing people saying that, that he should do a sequel from the perspective of the shooter, which just, completely kind of missed the point exactly of the exactly. game at all but you know it sort of really shows you know unfortunately a lot of a lot of gamers out there sort of just weren't yeah just didn't get the point of the game and, and yeah just wanted something well just I, want the same old same old you know well actually I mean, th- this um, is uh, yeah go mm. no 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 uh, any, any last thoughts on each and leaves yeah I, I was gonna say this is six years after modern warfare 2 where we had that whole infamous yeah, going no through Russians. the going yeah. through the uh, airport scene and all that sort of stuff. So to actually, you know, really harp on that that thing of this this character who we've been following through the other characters to see him get shot and it's like, oh, he could have been one of the one of the people yeah, in, exactly. in the background of that. Um, exactly of that airport. Like, like everyone's the main character of their own life, and like we've, yeah. we've got to read that into. The interactions that we have with other people. It makes me wonder why n- more games haven't done done a second person thing of, of following a character through interactions with other characters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would be fascinating. I, I mean, it feels like you... I, I think there have been some sort of, like... Uh, interactive fiction like text-based experiments about mm. using relationship and um uh, interaction as the like main unit of the game um mm. and uh, I, i'm thinking i think emily short did some experiments with this sort of thing mm-hmm. um but you, you know it, it's a field that's ripe for further exploration yeah i'd love to see a game where you're essentially playing a bunch of other stories short you know short vignettes one is from a shopkeeper, one's from a school student, one's from whatever. And you don't realise maybe until halfway through that scene 
that the same character from this previous scene, you know, yeah, it ends, up, ends up coming into each of these people's lives, and the game's actually telling the story of that character mm. um, through all these little mini stories of, of yeah. the people it's, they. It's, it's like sort when of come in touch with uh, astronomers are able to detect that there's a a, a a star somewhere by by plotting the orbits of the nearby planets they go well these planets are being affected in this certain way there must be a star of a certain size over here yeah yeah or yes or or like um yeah the exoplanets the different ways that they detect those you know you detecting them from the wiggle of the star that they're yeah surrounding uh orbiting or or when you you um haven't hung out with a bunch of friends for a while and they all start talking uh, about Tina and you're like, sorry, who's Tina? And they're like, oh, you know <laughs> Tina. And you're like, no, I don't know Tina. <laughs> you know? But then you feel like you do know Tina after from a how while, they after talk a while, about Tina. And then you Tina. meet Tina and you're yeah. able to make in jokes and Tina's like, sorry, who are you? Have we... <laughs> anyway, we, we should, yeah, we should, she's we should very move on to a final game. We should move on to a final game. So we're, get, we're jump, jumping forward again uh, to 2019. Um, you know, uh, PUBG, Fortnite, everyone wants to get in on the Battle Royale. Um, and this is a, an Activision uh, att- attempt to get in on Battle Royale by doing it from the 2PS genre. So you never actually get to see your character in the Battle Royale. Um, you can only see it from the nearest the point of view of the nearest other player character. So this is the first time where you're seeing it from the perspective of one of the other. And so it's a little challenging to play it now because, you know, there aren't as many people on the servers, but I I think we got a bit of a feel for how it works. Yeah. I mean, the three of us did play. Yeah, it was. Yeah. the, The fact that it was essentially the other player's input that was controlling your view then. Yeah. Made it very difficult, and then knowing that they weren't they weren't seeing, you know, they might have been seeing from your view. You know, if you were the closest two to each other, then you're essentially seeing from each other. And so, uh, yeah, you you almost had to do the opposite input of what you expected. Which yeah, exactly, exactly made it very yeah very interesting sort of trial and error. A lot of a lot of very tense shootouts where you're just wondering who is going to get off that lucky shot. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was a moment where, um, I mean, because we, we all played together on the same mm, server. As a squad, um, yeah. As a squad. Well, I don't know whether we were as a squad because you kept on I, shooting I was trying my best. Like- <laughs> I, I, was, I was trying. Okay. I, I'm, I, 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 I feel these games. I think these games. I'm not good at like, playing yeah. the games. So. Um, there was this cat and mouse that went on for like an hour as, you know, the storm's getting closer, you know, everything's closed in. We did get to the final, the final five, given that there mm-hmm. were only six of us on the server. Um, yeah. You know, it was quite good that we did get to the final five at least once. Yeah. Um, well, at least I did, because I kept on dying, like, first. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, but I also should have known better, because I, I shouldn't have kept on trying to get into the car, because every time I got into a car, I just smashed into a building. It, it was just... Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I was like a building magnet. Um, but when we did make make that final five, and we had that, that final standoff against, uh, what was it... Um, Plotting loser, something like yeah. that. I think yeah, I think yeah. that was his that was his name. Because he was the closest one to me, but 
uh, Jim, you kept on coming in a little bit closer and a little bit out. My my perspective kept on switching between the two of you, and every time I thought that I was about to get a shot off, you'd happen to move just just a little bit closer and switch again, and like no, and I move back and like, yeah, it, it it was this sort of thing that like meant that the game wasn't really a commercial success. I mean, everyone was pumping these games out, trying to get in on what PUBG had, mm. what Fortnite had, um, so it 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 didn't like quite take off in the way that Activision. We, we even yeah, tried throwing out quite in the ring, like. We we had we had the idea of a bear in a pool, and you you start yeah. off in the pool, and then we throw a bear into the into the pool, and you have to get away from it the bear. It was a reverse, Rever- it was a reverse PUBG. Yeah, PUBG, yeah. Uh, what what I um what I found kind of amusing about this one though, of course, was you really had to, you you wanted to be you didn't want to be the last one out of the plane at the beginning. Mm. Because it meant that you had no one else falling. Like the the the, the best strategy I found was to make sure you're at first, so that you, the closest person that you see is someone who's coming up behind you, so you, you know when to hit that parachute because you're looking down at yourself. When you were the last one out of the plane, you had no idea because no one's looking up at the sky. No one's no one's looking know, behind track of you falling. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're only looking uh, forward or looking down. Like yeah. Exactly. So, if you're the last one out of the plane, it was very lucky for you to even land. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I mean, I mean there, are, there are people who would mainline this game. They would play it over of and course. over, and they just uh, they they didn't actually probably didn't even need to look at the screen at all. Like you, they could probably turn their monitor off because they just knew the layout so well. They know exactly how long it takes to hit the ground. Um, and again, and, and the, sa- were- the sound design was kind of hard because you were only hearing the sound from the camera that you yeah. were currently inhabiting. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, it's almost. It was probably almost to their benefit at times to to turn off their screen or to turn off their sound for those players who have played it for a long time and just time it out. Mm. Uh, I suspect. Mm. I mean, I mean, there was that uh, amazing incident. Um, of uh, uh, Jess McAllister, um, she was a a, a, a pro level uh, player. Oh, we haven't even uh, talked about what this game. This, the game was called Point of View, like yes. a point of yes. point you of being, view, yeah, yes. point of point of view. Um, and Jess McAllister was a a, a pro player. She was elite level. She was um, in international invitationals, and well, actually, she was flying to uh, the 2020 Invitational early January before everything shut down, um, her plane suffered a fault and she had to jump out of the plane. But because she knew how... She knew the distance, she knew the different sounds, yep. again, because of the sound design, she knew like she knew when to open her parachute. Open the chute, yep. Based, like, even though she had never done it before, she'd only done it in a game. And, of course, she was the first one out of the plane because she's so used to doing that. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, and I heard she basically just closed her eyes the whole way. Like, she exactly. didn't have to have a blindly didn't need pulled to see. the, the shit. Didn't need yeah. to see. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it and, who said, two- and who said games don't teach you real life skills, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and that was sort of one of the two major, like, news stories about Point of View. Um, one was uh, Jess McAllister and the Parachute. Um, and the other one's uh, one of the major esports teams, um, uh, they were just called Bear. They got uh, removed from uh, invitationals because it was revealed that in all their qualifying heats done remotely, they'd all been in the one room 
and had just been running between all their various <laughs> monitors um, so yep. that they could play as each other's characters um, and just sort of doing basically musical chairs based on who was closest to each other's Yeah, and, and because they had wireless keyboards... Because they had wireless keyboards, they just moved over and they just controlled it from yeah. over here well, and then moved again. All, and- all the wireless keyboards, they'd actually got, they'd had a lot of investment money. And you know, in Beauty and the Beast, there's the bookcase with the um, stairs on rails that you can slide along. Yeah. They had all their wireless keyboards on four different tracks to be able to slide them up and down this long desk. Slide them back and forth, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, it, if you can find the footage of it, it's actually quite majestic to, to see. It is beautiful. Yeah, I can imagine it's just very... Uh- Orchestrated almost in that way. Yeah, as they it's symphonic. Send those, send those keyboards back and forth along those rails. I mean, I, I thought it would have actually been easier to just like use a KVM and just switch which one you're currently looking at. Like, well, <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd think so, but it, there's something about the tactility of it, the teamwork that yeah. you Well, and I think together. just, I suspect not wanting to have to reach for a different device or whatever. If you can just flick the keyboard and you know that your partner is going to flick one back to you, mm. the correct one that you can catch and immediately keep playing, then uh, it's you know probably a bit more efficient. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the fact that they didn't care about their own character, they just they just cared about winning. Yeah, it was a team. Mm. All, all four yeah. of them were there in a team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, not everyone got that sort of, uh, proficiency in it, that dedication to it. And so, you know, numbers dwindled, numbers dwindled. Um, and I won't be surprised if Activision shuts it down. Yeah. I actually soon. did see that because they, because they didn't implement the anti cheat, there were some illegal mods out there that were changing the view back to like a first person view. Yeah. And so you could always see Depends your own the camera. Purpose. And it's like, why do you need to cheat in a game like this? Like everyone yeah. is at the, at the same disadvantage in that they can't see where their character is. <laughs> yeah, like I did. I did hear rumors actually, though, that in the next season of Fortnite, they might be bringing this in as a mode. Yeah, because you know Fortnite yes, does tend right. to just sort of cannibal cannibalize from and capitalize on on all the other games' features. Yeah. Uh, well, I, th- that, I think that, it's going to be interesting because I'll, I'll, uh, you know, the proof's in the pudding, but, um, mm. the sort of like test footage that leaked, it seemed to be mostly, and, you know, this could be, isn't indicative of what it's going to be, but it mostly seemed to be like you were trying to play the game, f- but your camera is locked to Thanos dabbing. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's like how much are you going to be able to get from that when sort of, Every few seconds, your arms inside a big purple elbow as, as Thanos yeah. is dabbing to. Mm. Yeah, but I, I know that if you happen to position yourself right behind, you can actually get really good. Like I'm, I'm suspecting you can get really good with the sniper rifle. Yeah, true. Mm. Yeah, true. And look, um, Epic is is pretty good at knowing what their fan base wants. So exactly, I suspect. Uh, I suspect that they'll eat it up. Mm. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's now we've even moved into the future of two uh, PS games. Well, I, but- I was I was going to ask, you know, now that we've we've gone through these obviously key key games in the in the history of the genre, what uh, I was curious of your thoughts, Jim, of, of what 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 haven't we seen? What what is the future of this genre? What's next uh, for yeah? What's second next person? For, for, second person two PSs. Yeah, I mean, I think. The thing that I'd really love to see is um, 
more of a social justice message being brought in. Um, and, and it's not, it's not quite the right point, but, um, uh, I, I was disappointed there was supposed to be a 2PS, um, remake of Big Buck Hunter, um, coming where you play as mm. various deer and, uh, but it's set entirely in the moment where the hunter realizes that their gun is jammed. And so you're able to go in and as a deer get vengeance, uh, sever an artery in the neck, um, uh, play that sort of thing. So I, I'd like to see some of that sort of messaging coming in. Um, like you were saying, Trev, uh, there are so many VR possibilities for this mm. that, you know, it, it maybe not even in a like, uh, second person shooter, but if two people are playing a VR thing, um, but they can only see from each other's point of view, then it opens up a whole bunch of like puzzle opportunities. So I, I think there's a, a, a lot of possibility for that sort of like puzzle gaming that you're looking from someone else's point of view. You're tr- it's like portal two trying to solve problems together, but you're yeah. looking from, but from the perspective on- of the portals. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Mm. I should have said, yeah. From the perspective of mm. the portals and you've just got people jumping into you all the time. Hmm. Well, they have announced Portal Three, so maybe that's going to be part of well, part of Portal Three. So yeah, that's that's part of the big. Um, that's part of the. I big mean, Portal Two would have made more sense for them to do it because of second person, but um, yeah, it, you, you can't have like not everyone thinks about it in this sort of like metaphorical. Sim- yeah, I would have loved because I mean Portal Portal obviously was a first person shooter. If they'd done a second person shooter for Portal Two and then a then third they could person. have gone to a yeah. third person for Portal Three. I mean that would have just yeah. had a whole other layer of cleverness. And then if they ever there, did but- Portal Four though, when we could finally see what a fourth person shooter would look like. Yeah, I mean I mean that's the big speculation is what's a fourth person shooter. Yeah. I mean I I think uh, some people sort of speculate that the fourth person is God. Yeah. And so actually we've had a number of fourth person Mm. Not necessarily shooters, but, you know, basically any god game that you've ever played. But I, I don't know. I don't know that I subscribe to that. Yeah, and and also and also time. Also time mm. as, as the fourth dimension. Mm. Um, yeah. What happens if you shoot time in the game? Mm. Time bullets. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're, you're, you're firing out, like, just beams of time and you can age someone, um, you know, but, but it will be told from the point of view of time itself. Of so. time itself. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, it, I don't it, know the technology's there <laughs> quite yet. Maybe yeah. Unreal Engine 5. Exactly. Or, I, I think they're, some of that. they're, like, it, it'll be interesting to see what people, what games people create knowing that, Unreal 5's coming out soon and might have time perspective um, capabilities. I also think the other thing is that we just haven't quite reached the point in artificial intelligence Mm. to truly play as the targets in a 2PS more than just the perspective, the visual perspective of the target that you are playing as the target and not having to, you know, technically the character is the shooter yeah but that you're you're like they they're controlled by the artificial intelligence so so you don't actually know when you're going to be shot yeah you just uh, you just have to go about your daily life like you're a shopkeeper you're going over and stocking some of the lollies and then all of a sudden the shooter comes through and mm, and yeah, shoots and then you sudden, and then you all of a sudden you're in someone else you're yeah. in someone yeah. else or, and you just or, or, and then you know you're the li- you're a librarian, you're stacking all the lollies and then you get shot. You're a member of parliament stacking all the lollies and then you get yeah. shot. You know, there's all sorts of lolly stackers who yeah. could be shot by an AI. 
The, po- the mean, possibilities are endless. I mean, could you could you imagine a lollipop lady stacking all the lollies? Stacking all the lollies. Um, yeah. And she doesn't get shot oh. because the, the shooter just drove by in a car. Yeah, but like, respected the sign and so went quite slowly. Went quite slowly. You, you, If you actually look out, just as she's, you know, you go out there, you put the sign, then you go back in, just as you drive past and then you turn into, you know, the the corner shop guy hand, yeah. putting all the lollies down. Yep. Well, yeah. and just like the other two PSs we've talked about, generally, you know, the, the way these games have worked traditionally is that you are the, you are the next target. You're seeing from the perspective of the next target. So having that be an AI who is just out there somewhere, but knowing you're playing the next target and that mm. is it going to come I would love in the to next see minute, the next game. hour, the next day. Well, that's it. Yeah. A Hitman game from 2PS where you were just playing as the, t- all you know is you're the target. And, and yeah. but given that you aren't the main character in the game, and therefore your idea as the target would be to get into those situations where you could be shot. Well, that's like, it. That the, you're still the objective of the game is still of the main character. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Th- so, there are so many avenues still to be explored. It's 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 such, re- and that's why I find it so fascinating as a genre. Yeah, I was actually thinking so of a second-person adventure game, like a point-and-click ah. adventure game where you. Play. You are the as are the cursor, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whether you're the cursor or whether you're you're the NPCs and you've got their own inventory ah. that you may so you, maybe like interact. You're trying like the, the 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 NPCs are trying to do sort of a Sim City sort of thing. They're just trying to go about their business and then yeah, the player and the main character. This guy keeps coming up and trying to sell fine leather jackets to them. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to get all all sorts of wacky combinations of items together. Yeah, they just start yeah. trying to hand you everything in their inventory one after the other. And all you can say is like, I don't want that. Yeah. That doesn't I don't know what here. to do with it. Except for the occasional situation where they might actually give you the one thing you're looking for. Yeah. In the entire, you know, your entire existence. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like the idea of maybe even using a fly on the wall as, as like... Mm, your, like a literal point, fly. Yeah, a literal fly on the wall um, as, like, your camera view. So, you're, you're seeing mm. it as that pesky fly that is literally bothering the um, bothering the, yeah. uh, the protagonist. But it's, it's in a series of sort of important events through history. Sort of you're yeah. inside the Watergate Hotel. You're, yeah, you know, it, it, it yeah. writes itself. Well, my, yeah, I mean, my mind went to that very famous Breaking Bad episode. Where they're hunting the fl- he's hunting the fly around the lab, uh, but seeing that seeing something like that from the perspective of the fly, yeah, could absolutely. be really interesting. Mm. Well, yeah, it's you know there's it's 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 a ripe genre. Yeah, and I I really encourage listeners to check these games out yourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, some of the as as we said the uh, uh, some of the the recent ones. The multiplayer ones don't really have servers anymore, but uh, you can definitely get your hands on on some yeah. of the older ones and still yeah. give them a go. Mm. Okay, I'll say my favourite was Brown Grey Justice, just because of like the limp skirt, the all, yeah. all the music and the really the the slow motion. I just love that. Yeah, it did come together really well. Yeah, I I, I, I certainly had a a soft spot uh, for for eats, shoots, and leaves. 
Uh, I I can't go past Lucas Pope really, and then to just like I hadn't seen it before. You know, it is little little known, so it was a real joy to to be able to find because I've been with. Humble Bundle since the very start. I, it was in my Steam library. You had it, yeah. You just, I just, yeah. I've got so many games in my Steam library. I just <laughs> exactly like them. who's getting like- through the Steam library. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think for me, it's like I spent um, so much time with a, a, a bunch of my friends, like playing Point of View, like right at the beginning of the mm. pandemic. Um, so, yeah. like, it's a, it's a really like I- important memory for me. Like, not necessarily because of the games, but like because of the the, the time that we spent there. Yeah. Yeah, I did hear that, uh, you know, there are a, a, a lot of fun having a poo party, um, <laughs> as, as they were called. Yeah. When it was really at its height. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, the, the first time my friends invited me to a poo party, I did un- misunderstand and there was uh, a, a few awkward <laughs> conversations. Yeah. There, yeah. I'm sure there were some awkward moments in that. Uh, so on that, on that note. Speaking of. <laughs> Speaking of awkward moments. No. Uh, Well, look, I I think that's- I think we will finish up there. Mm -hmm. Jim, thank you so much for for bringing your expertise to the podcast. Uh, My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, it was was a pleasure on our side too. And uh, yeah, look, we'll- We'll have to perhaps get you on in future um, to to discuss some of the other other genres, you know, really curate us a a little charcuterie of of, of games within a particular genre that that we maybe haven't seen before. Yeah, that actually exists. Yeah. Mm. That, that that truly exists. So, uh, yeah, we'll finish up there. Uh, Thank you, everyone at home, for joining us this week on BitStorm. Uh, you can find us online at podchaser.com slash bitstorm. Go there, listen to all of our previous episodes. And uh, the song that you hear at the start and end of each week is the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure by the band Curitas. So go check that out. It may be slowed down if Ben can be bothered slowing it right down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Jim, where can where can our listeners find you online? Uh, I'm on the social media at Fim Jishwick, which is like Jim Fishwick but spoonerized. And uh, if you like chat around podcasts, I have a podcast called I Get That a Lot, where I interview people about the jokes that other people make about their names all the time. It's uh, a little bit silly, uh, a little <laughs> bit sweet, uh, just like me. That's awesome. awesome. So, thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Travis Scott. I'm Jim Fishwick. And uh, don't don't shoot me in the face. <laughs> but remember to have a poo party. <laughs> have a poo party. <laughs>